0: This is the Get Up 8 Podcast with your host, Eric Hodgson. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Get Up 8 Podcast where we unpack the challenges and struggles that come at us in life and we find the unique ways to help you build resilience and thrive. Today... Again, is no exception to that. And we're going to be talking to Traver Bohm again for part two of our thriving versus surviving series here with Traver. Traver, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, brother. It is still an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome, man. We're going to get right back into it. Uh, there's a park in Arkansas where you can go and you can walk around and you can find diamonds in this park. It's an open park, and you pay 20 really? bucks to get in yes, you go into this you go into this park and you pay 20 bucks to get in and you walk around and whatever you find you get to keep and in the last few years, uh there have been several diamonds, couple three, four carrots that have been found in there, and people can take them home and and it's 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 an interesting concept because somebody could go in there and mine these. And find them and just, you know, not let anybody go into this park, but they've chosen to let somebody walk around and find their diamonds if they, if they look for them. And this is the same thing that happens in our life when we deal with, with loss or grief or struggles and deep challenges that we have to go and look for those gifts that are left behind. Because yeah, they're not absolutely. just out there shining, set in rings, you know, set in <laughs> set in you know settings for, for us to just pick up. Oh, look, I just found this, you know, diamond ring, you know. And, and it's not <laughs> no. like that, right? It, no. it, it's We're rough around the edges. These gifts are not mm. exactly what we think they're going to be. Right. But we have to recognize that they're there. And we have to take them in and nurture them and grow them to become... Those seeds for our life moving forward. Like you were mentioning before, this could be so exponentially better than what you had before.
1: Right. Yeah, there, there are gifts there. I believe that I had to learn about some laws. I had to learn about the law of impermanence and I had to learn about the law of duality, mm. which means for everything that's going left, there's an equal thing going right. Mm. I, I was like, oh, wow. So if I'm this miserable and this is this traumatic and this awful then that means the potential for it to be amazing has to exist as well. Right. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Like I really don't want to go through this again, but I'm going to use the hell out of it while it's here. Mm. Right. And maybe just maybe that means I won't have to go through it again because the lessons will have been learned. Right. But either way, I'm coming out of this uh, above where I was before. I was held. It goes back to the aggression or the, now, I almost call it like an arrogance mm-hmm. of like, OK, you know what? This fucking happened. Fuck you. I'm going I'm, I'm taking this for all it's worth. Beautiful. You know, and kept that. There were there were so many days when when I made that shift, I was like, I don't even want to get out of bed today. Mm. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Not only are we getting out of bed, I'm going to like shove this in the in the in life's face. Right. That I'm actually you know what? I'm going to write a book. Mm hmm. How about that life? Okay, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna inspire a million people. How about that? Yes. And it was, you know, I'm. I, it wasn't go fuck yourself. Right. It wasn't a go fuck yourself to her or or to God. It was just go fuck yourself to the situation. Right. You know, and that helped me a lot. If that mm. helps other people, beautiful. Right. And it doesn't mean that there weren't days where I was like. Go fuck yourself. Okay, you're right. I actually go. Go, go <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. me. Oh yeah. There's there's those days. There's those days when
0: you come up with some really <laughs> colorful words for what your situation is, and you're like, "Well, I got to write that one down. That might be good later to use."
1: Yeah, it's profane, but yeah. you're going through profane situations.
2: Right. right. Right.
1: There there are. I've learned immediately too. There are no rules. Right. Right. If I'm not hurting somebody else, mm-hmm. then everything's available to me. I don't right. have to think like other people think. As I said, I'm allowed to let people take care of me. Right. Oh, wow. People are going to bring me food. All right. Mm-hmm. This is uncomfortable. Right. Shit. This is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Do it anyway. Right. What are you going to learn from it? Can right. it all be a learning experience? Exactly. Right.
0: Exactly. I, I would love to shift gears and sure. talk a little bit about uh, that. You, you shared an experience with us uh, when we were together a couple weeks ago in, in Santa Barbara at an event. And I'd love for you to share with the audience uh, your experience of of no sunlight for 30 days. Mm. And also, uh, I do want to come back to your book because sure. I find that topic uh, very interesting as well. But could you take a few minutes and tell us about that experience and, and what, what what led you to to want to go into that darkness, if you
2: will?
1: Sure, sure, sure. So I did what's called a – just to give people some context – It's called a dark retreat Mm. and you can Google this and it's a period of a set period of isolation in complete pitch black darkness. Mm. So I flew to Guatemala to an ashram and found this group that had a dark retreat hut, we'll call it for lack of a better term, which was like a dome made out of concrete that literally had no light in it whatsoever. None period zero for the entire month that I was in there. Yeah, it was, it was gnarly beyond gnarly. (laughs) Uh, And I did it for a couple reasons. And and this is hard to articulate without sounding like a complete nutcase, (laughs) but I had realized, I'd come to the conclusion that one, uh, this is the worst loss I've ever experienced in this situation that I was going through. Why not use that platform or that positioning point and say, what if I took away everything else too? Because if I walked into this dark room, happy as a clam in a great relationship, married with kids, you know, with a million dollar business, I think the experience of being in there would be a lot different than having just lost a pregnancy, my marriage, my business and my life as I knew it. Mm. And so I wanted to get down to the rock bottom of rock bottom Mm. and see what it was like down there. And this wasn't, this wasn't masochistic, right? It was exactly what you talked about is I had this belief that there were going to be gems and diamonds that deep that I would not have access to at any other point in my life. And Mm. I didn't want to lose the opportunity, even though I was going to have to go to get there, it was going to be an extraordinary amount of personal suffering, but I was willing to take that suffering on just to see what it was like and to experience it down there.
0: Mm. Wow. Wow. It was wild. And What was like, what was the first, you know, walking into this room and, and having that door closed by, tell me, tell us about that. I'd love to hear about that.
1: Ah, man, I just got chills. Um, (laughs) It was, it was here. Here's the the juxtaposition, Eric. It was as underwhelming as it was overwhelming. Mm. So literally all the hair on my arm is standing up. (laughs) Uh, So the door shuts. I hear it lock and I can't see anything. And I'm literally thinking, Okay, oh my God, this is my reality for the next twenty eight days. Mm. I will I'm not gonna see anything. And so that's overwhelming of like, oh shit, I have to I have to feel around the room now to find out like just to know where I am in space. Mm. I have to feel around I have to crawl around on my hands and knees to get to the toilet. I have to keep a hand on the wall. This is a very small room, yeah. but just to go anywhere. Wow. Right? And so that's overwhelming. In addition to, of course, the fear, anxiety, and, oh, wow, when you take away senses, your brain starts to kick into hyperdrive. Right. Coupled with, there's literally nothing to do. Yeah. Which, which is underwhelming. It's right. like, oh, I'm not having grand visions, and Jesus isn't coming and talking to me. I'm not <laughs> levitating. I'm not, right. <laughs> I'm not astral traveling. Right. I'm, I'm bored. There's nothing to do
2: mm.
1: except dive inward. So it was, you know, the moment the door closed, I remember taking a deep breath and, and saying, all right, let yourself go on whatever ride this this is going to be, Yeah. right? There's something else at work here. I believe in that of, of the power of a sacred space
3: mm.
1: and the power of a sacred journey that when you, you know, be it grief, be it loss, be it walking into a dark room, there's a a, a ride to go on and you can either fight the ride, you can step off the ride, you can kick and scream the whole time or kind of lean back and go, okay, take me where you're going to take me. There's something else at work here Mm -hmm. beyond me. That's that wants me to be here and has put me here. And I'm willing to, to learn from that and and let go. Wow. It was a wild ride.
0: I'm just imagining, you know, the complete darkness, uh, not even cracks of light anywhere and zero zero and, uh, just the, the way your mind goes into this hyperdrive mode where if you have fears, I can imagine they're only exacerbated by the situation bugs. Um, you know, I yeah. think you shared with us that, you know, you're shaking the toilet seat cause you're like, you just know something's yeah. underneath the seat or something. Like oh that. yeah.
1: Yeah. They had told me that the room was sealed mm-hmm. and, and it was, but, um, there were also air vents that had like screens on them cause obviously there has to be some airflow, but four or five times over the course of the month, something landed on my face. Oh, no. It was like a moth or I <laughs> – I don't know what it was because I couldn't see. But you want to talk about startling Yeah. Where you're like, and going, okay, now what do I do about this? Right. Right? Like how often have you tried to chase a moth around your living room in the, in the middle of daylight? Right. Right? Or turn the lights on at night because there's a bug buzzing around and mm. chased it down and killed it with a magazine. Right, uh, and I knew there was nothing I could do, so I just had to let go and let go. And so it was—it was again. I'm trying to to describe the duality sure. of yes, there was fear, yes, and there was also overwhelming calm because there's nothing I can do about it. Right, which is really again weird for a Type A person. I'm like, right. oh shit. Mm. Right. One of the the beautiful lessons I got in the very beginning was the woman who was was my guide through this, or was sort of overseeing me talked to me about the, there was a ladder that went up to the loft area and that's where I would sleep. Cause this was a very, very tight, small room and it was only, you know, six or seven ladder rungs. Okay. And, and I said to her like, Oh, there's a ladder that I can't see. Right. Isn't that, aren't you worried about someone falling out of the bed or like me you know, jumping off the top rung and smacking something? And she said, uh, there's no rush in here. Mm. You're not, you're not going anywhere for a month. So take your time. Interesting. And I've rushed my entire life. Yeah. Right? Like, mm. I'm, I'm, I've got 50 things I want to do today. Right. But all of a sudden was forced to slow down and forced to swallow the fact that I can, I can rip up and down that ladder as fast as I want, and the month isn't going to go any faster. Mm. So why not just take it one rung at a time? Right. Slow myself down and make sure I don't fall off and bang my face on something. Right. Or live in this state of panic and anxiety that says, like, "Oh, I got to go somewhere quickly right now." Mm. So yeah, it was a, it was a real. There's so much going on in that in that experience. I, I highly recommend it. Wow. Uh, if if people think they can, they're going to be okay doing it. Right. But I, I recommend it for a shorter period of time. Mm. A month was pretty long.
0: That does sound long, and and I can imagine. Uh, actually, I can't. I can't imagine uh, emerging from this cocoon, if you will, mm. after thirty days, and and what you experienced. I remember just about a year ago, I was in Tampa at a, uh, doing an immersion, a military style immersion, with one of my mentors, Scott Mann, and and we stayed outside. We stayed outside on a four hundred acre farm uh, in the middle of, of Florida. Okay. And waking up in the morning emerging from that darkness was eye-opening for me in so many ways, but that was 24 hours. So for you, <laughs> you know, I, it, so many things woke up with me when I woke up with the world that morning, uh, right. you know, surviving, uh, you know, literally surviving outside in, in, in uh, you know, really conditions that are, are uh, they were fine. You know, it was fine. It was just, it was interesting. But for you, coming out of this cocoon for 30 days, yeah, and what was that experience like when the door opened up and and uh, you know you didn't jump out and go ta da I'm here you know I mean, no well, no tell not me about at all.
1: that uh, truthfully um, here 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 it is like the, the the a woman came down and rang a bell I just got chills again and she said Trevor you made it congratulations oh. and she opened her side of the door and I had my own key on my side and uh, I opened my I actually stopped and and did a little bit of a practice of like honoring the time and the space and thanking the darkness and thanking myself for going through it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I opened my door and she had dressed in ceremonial white, you know, had white headdress, mm. white gown, white pants, and just knelt down in front of me and held my hands and said, I'm so proud of you. You did it. And I burst out crying mm. and just cried and cried and cried. And then she she said, take your time coming out and then walked away. And truthfully, I scooted back to the middle of the room. Wow. And spent it probably took me three hours mm. to leave the room. And that may sound ludicrous, but it was my space. It had right. been my home. It had been my nest. It had been where I had gone insane, literally. It had been where I cried and bawled and tried to punch holes in the walls and yeah. dealt with myself and you know, like held myself through some of the most extraordinarily awful visuals and memories and etc for a month and uh it was overwhelming to leave yeah and then when i got out uh the worst it, it you know people were like oh was the light really bad the light wasn't bad but the, any movement would make me super nauseous mm. so seeing the rustle of the leaves uh wouldn't be like oh god i'm gonna throw up <laughs> just because i hadn't my eyes hadn't dealt with depth or depth perception, or it hadn't, it hadn't seen movement. Right. Right. And then I would, I, one of the hard things about being in the dark Eric is that like there were so many times when I couldn't tell if my eyes were open or closed Mm -hmm. because there was no difference Or I would have, this was infuriating. I would have this bright light that my mind had created Mm. like in, in my eyes and I couldn't get it to go out if I closed them. Wow. So it would be like okay, now I'm gonna stay up for the next six hours because there's like this (laughs) glowing red ball in the corner of the room. sucks. But the reemergence was, uh, you know, my plan. Here, you'll love this, of course. My plan, you know, on the last day was like, okay, here's what we're gonna do we're going to get out. We're going to spend a day resting. We're going to go get a cup of coffee. We're going to get a hamburger <laughs> and we're going to fly to Cuba and spend a week in Cuba and, and like see a bunch of colors and hang out. And then I'm going to fly to Nicaragua and I'm going to surf my brains out for a month. And then I'm going to go back to the U S <laughs> and uh, I came out of the dark. And for the next three months, I didn't leave, like, I didn't leave the ashram, I think for six weeks and wow. then spent another two months in the town over like lying in a bed and writing Mm. and like walking in the woods and like, I didn't want to get on a plane. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want excitement. I just needed to process all of that, Mm. uh, experience.
0: That is, that is absolutely incredible. And, and I think, you know, is this is like a, a a rebirth in a way, you know, Mm. um, completely. And what do you think, you know, when you go through a journey like this, one of the things that happens when you're on a hero's journey of sorts, you you are called to this action, you're 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 in the belly of the whale, in this case the belly of this cement room. And mm-hmm. and you know, the conflict is that, you know, should I stay or should I go? Because you yeah. have the capacity to leave if you wanted to. Anytime. And that anytime. was a mind fuck, man. Right. And but when you do come through it on the other side, you the, the hero always has always has something to share and to teach.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned when you were in it? Go, uh, you know, after this process was was complete.
1: I think there's two, and I'll put them together. And the first is that I am free to live my life in full expression, mm. without judgment, without shame, without like, without anybody's opinion. Mm-hmm. And that was the experience of being in the room. There was no one in there with. So if I had great thoughts, no one judged them. If I had awful thoughts, no one judged them. I could speak out loud and say, like, I am, I am flying in a private jet, right? And and fantas- I could fantasize, and there was no judgment. I could literally say stuff out loud, and no one was there to like, be like you can't do that, right? Right. So full expression. This is hard to articulate because because when I came out, I talked to a number of people, and I said, imagine if. Your whole life was transparent. Mm. Like the entire world suddenly got the Eric playbook. We're like, oh wow. It's like the what's the, the, the greatest fear of every guy is like someone's gonna get a hold of your internet history. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops in, right. But imagine if they did and everything was fine. It's right. like, okay. Because guess right. what? Everybody's internet history is yeah. not awesome. Right. So it was, it was getting conscious contact with that experience of, of living for a month with zero judgment and zero self-judgment. And so being the only deciding factor in if I was going to judge who I was as a person mm-hmm. and how I was expressing myself fully. Mm. And that was incredible. So I said – I asked some people like imagine your life. If you could do work how you wanted to work, speak how you wanted to speak, fuck how you wanted to fuck, eat how you wanted to eat. Live exactly how you wanted to, and you were free to do that. Yeah. And five out of the five people I asked that to started crying. Wow. And they just said, yeah, I I, I just, I can't do that right now. I can't. And I'd say, well, you can. Mm-hmm. You're just choosing not to for fear of what you think the repercussions may be. Right, right. Or, I get it, if you have kids, you can't be like, well, I'm just going to fly to so-and-so. Like, I'm going to fly to Costa Rica and open a surf shack and leave them behind. Like, please right. don't do that. But within responsibility, like how could you be you fully expressed? So that was part one. Mm. Part two, and this is, again, hard to articulate, was for the last maybe four or five days before I came out, I was really confused as to whether I had died or not. Mm. And so take that with a grain of salt that for so much of that month I didn't sleep. My sleep cycle was just a wreck. Mm. So imagine a, almost a full month of not sleeping,
3: mm-hmm.
1: of, of sensory deprivation, of isolation. Like there were a couple days where I would touch my own body and go, shit, maybe I've died.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is all just a dream. And I'm not discerning between reality and, and non reality. And then getting washed over with this feeling of, like you said, it, it is a rebirth because there was an actual feeling of death. Mm. And I went, oh my God, at some point in the future, 40, 50 years from now, this is exactly what it's going to be like.
3: Mm.
1: I'm going to be out of the world. And the world is going to go on without me. Yes. And people, right, 50 yards from here are going to eat breakfast. Right. And they're going to go about their day. Mm-hmm. And sure, people may miss me. People may talk about me. People mm-hmm. may not. But I'm not going to be there. Right. And so – While I don't want that to sound morbid and depressing, the flip side of it was, oh, wow, I'm free to go after whatever I want. Right. I'm free to make as many mistakes as I want. Again, as long as I'm not hurting people or killing anybody or doing awful things, like, hey, I'm allowed to go for this big dream I have because if I fail miserably, someday I'm going to be out of the world and it won't matter. Right. Right. So it was this freedom, America of like ins- being instilled in me. Go for it. Yeah. Right. Like it was this. Here's the duality. You don't matter at all. Someday you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And you matter so much. You have so much time left to change and affect the world. Yes. And if you fi- if you fall flat on your face at that, literally, if every single day you wake up and fall flat on your se- face, you're still going to die. Yeah. So go for it.
0: Yeah. And you're doing that right now. You're doing Thank that. Thank right you. Now. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you wrote a book. Uh, yeah. it's called today I rise. And that mm-hmm. came out about a, uh, about a year ago, Traver. This, this summer. Okay. This past summer. This, yeah. this past summer. And I'd love to tell you, tell us uh, a little bit about what the book is about and, and also what it is that you're doing now based on all of your experiences over the last few years. Sure. You know, you're, what you are doing right now is, you're right. We are not, we're not going to be here, but I think that we are here for a greater purpose and, and you're starting to step into that greater purpose yeah. and you're leaving tracks as the yeah. Scott man would say, you know, you're, yeah. you're leaving these indelible prints on the earth, uh, with the people around you, you're helping others. And I'd love yeah. to hear what it is that you're, you're doing right now to, 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 you know, to continue to be this uncivilized man and, sure. and to teach everybody, teach other men how to be uncivilized men and, and sure, sure. what lessons they can learn. So.
1: All right. So real quick, the book. Uh, so when I did the the darkness, Eric, I, I did it under the guise of uh, living the entire year as if it were my last. And mm. I, I named it the year to live project. And my plan at the end of that year was to sit down and write that all into a book. Mm. And I just I couldn't. I think it was it was too close to it. I was just in this and I was, the, was still like my divorce was still finishing. I was dealing with attorneys. I'd like sit at the computer and be like, fuck this. I don't want to write. Right. (laughs) And so my, my buddy challenged me. He said, you got to write, you're a writer. Like stop this nonsense. Here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to write 90 letters to the you who woke up one day and found out his wife was leaving Mm. and talk about everything that you went through to get from, Oh my God, she's leaving to thank God she left. Right. Because there's people out there. He's like today, some dudes waking up with that exact same problem. Or is that exact same challenge? So what would you tell him and write it under the guise of writing to you? And all of a sudden my writer's block went completely out the window. Nice. And for the next three months, I didn't, I didn't eat. I didn't didn't sleep well. I didn't work out very much. I just typed my ass off and basically came up with like, this is what I wish I had heard. One thing a day, one Mm. letter a day where I could open it up and go, Hey, Traver, Here's here's what's going to happen today. Or here's what I hope for you f- for today. Or here's something that you can do, an action step, that's going to help you not only get through today, but get so beyond this situation that someday you look back and be thankful for it. And that was the, you know, all of these things are, like all of this magic came into my life.
0: Mm-hmm. People,
1: conversations, experiences. Like I felt so blessed by how the universe or whoever is up there swooped in and said, all right, here's the conversation you need today. All right, here's the exercise Mm -hmm. you need to do. you got to get a pen and paper out. you got to start writing some shit down so get Mm -hmm. to work. And so I just compiled that all into the book. And it moved me in a direction of starting to work with people who were going through a divorce and helping them. And here's where the transition to man uncivilized happened. I was working with people in the midst of heartbreak and divorce and found – that one, it was a little hard because mm-hmm. mine was still like the ink wasn't even dry on my own divorce yet. Right. But here's where things got interesting. Most of my life as a trainer and acupuncturist, uh, et cetera, my clientele has been female. All of a sudden I was getting more and more men contacting me and then it switched to where they were saying, Hey, Hey, I'm not going through divorce, but I think I'm going to get divorced if I don't change.
2: Right. Hey, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm, a, I'm 50, hundred pounds overweight. And I just can't get to the gym. I feel super disempowered. And I started noticing that I was having the same conversations over and over and over again. Mm. And it was returning men to an idea of masculinity that they'd never experienced before. Mm. And that I I called it unceremoniously man uncivilized (laughs) because I thought, huh, here's the mix that I see that's missing in men right now, especially in the U.S. Right. I went on this journey and met men who were completely of the heart of the spirit. They lived in ashrams. They did yoga. They were vegan. They were beautiful. They talked to God every day. I was like, awesome. I I have so much to learn from you guys. Mm. They opened, opened me up to emotional intelligence, to conversation, to Mm. nonviolent communication to my heart. Right. Beautiful. Yes. I also didn't think a lot of guys could relate to them I had an acupuncture bracket. I had a weird background, but I also looked at these guys and thought, you know what, man, you guys need to learn to deadlift. You got to learn how to fight. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're one aspect of masculinity personified. You're the divine. awesome, oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just had that thought. And then a couple months later, I went into Boulder outdoor survival school. So I entered into a month long wilderness survival program. And I met these dudes, these coaches who were just m- like mountain men <laughs> who literally would live in the woods for weeks, if not months at a time on their own. They'd kill their own food. They'd make their own shelter. They were they were super knowledgeable about nature and the world and et cetera. They were in great shape. They were fucking warriors.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But here I was like – and they taught me so much about that side of life. And I could relate to them as a fighter. Right. Or an ex fighter. I could relate to them as a, a, a weightlifter. But but they also didn't want to be integrated in society. Right. They didn't want to have a house. They didn't want to have a wife. They didn't want to have a family. They wanted like a dog, a truck and a knife. Yeah. I, I, OK, great. They are the primal masculine. These guys know how to get shit done. Mm hmm because when you're in survival camp it's like oh you want to you, you need somewhere to sleep tonight you know this from Tampa, Stand. Yes. You, you need somewhere to sleep tonight guess what yep you're not you're not calling Airbnb <laughs> you're, you're building it
0: you're on the ground sir
1: you're on the ground exactly so and make it and, and if you want something you got to go get it yep so to me they were the primal masculine mm. and so I had this influence on both sides primal and divine primal and divine and I thought man what if I put them together Mm-hmm. And taught men that hey guys guess what there's a new era here the stoic 50s you know right out of World War One or World War Two man who feels nothing, drinks his problems away, doesn't speak openly, doesn't share, mm-hmm. isn't vulnerable. That guy's done. Right. He, he's got no place in the world anymore. Right. But also you know what I think the pendulum swung too far or the unmature the immature man who's living as a boy, who is not motivated, who isn't getting after it, who isn't training, who has no goals. Who, who, who hasn't stepped into his power. Right. Both, both people can use, can use this mix of two. Yeah. And and, and any man who's struggling or any man period can go, oh wow, I can actually use my masculinity that my inherent wiring, the software that runs through my body. If I look at it and embrace it and learn some of these basic concepts, holy shit, my life will take off.
2: Yeah.
1: And I started working with guys and just running them through a program saying, Hey, let's, let's talk about integrity. Let's talk about physical training. Let's talk about powerful sexuality.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk about leadership. Right? Let's talk about meditation. Let's talk about your heart. How do you, how do you feel right now? Mm. Let's talk about your emotions. Let's talk about the shit you want to get done in the world. What, do you, what gift do you want to bring into the world? And let's, let's do this in a forum that says, hey, today I'm going to tell you to get the fuck up and get after it. Yeah. And I'm also going to listen if you need to cry about the wounds of your life. Because you have to embrace both sides, right? And I couldn't find a space yet in society. Like I didn't know where. Like God, we're, we're, no one's doing this, and I, I can't. I can't reach out to someone and, and find a place where this exists in civilization. So I'm going to call it uncivilized, mm. because I look at most men in, especially in the U.S. or even in the Western world, in the civilized Western world, and I see pain. And I see struggle and I see guys that are out of shape and overweight and uninspired and their relationships are falling apart and they're drinking too much. Mm -hmm. They're playing too many video games. They're jerking off to the internet. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're not engaging with their partners, with their families. They're not leading. You, you, you know, this, they're not leading. They're not leading with their hearts and they're not leading with their balls. Either one, they're stuck up in their heads. They're stuck. They're stuck. Yeah. And so the idea was let's get guys up and moving. Let's get guys up and powerful. Let's let's make I'm unapologetically male
3: mm-hmm.
1: in a time when masculine strength is is is, is put down because we're seeing the, the repercussions of like the shadow side of it. Right. Like str- I want to celebrate strength in men. Like, guess what, brother? You are strong as fuck <laughs> now embrace that yep. and realize the immense responsibility that that comes with
0: right and that's oh let's get both it's it's huge because um, what I'm seeing here is that you know there's a there's the difference there the the dichotomy between survival and thriving and absolutely and if we're not if we're not thriving then we are down in that you know we are we are down in those doldrums of, of just getting by every day and just doing what we need to. We're, we're, we're an imp of, of sorts, you know, we're just impishly approaching everything in our life and we're not, we're not, uh, we're not living the life we're supposed to be living. And absolutely. I, I, I think that's a tremendous uh, gift that you're giving to this world. And, and it's, again, one of these things that, that uh, the gift is there. People have to find it and yeah. and so i'm a totally I'm 100% <laughs> appreciative for you to come on to this podcast and and tell Thank us you. about what you've been through over the last few years and to share your your messages of what the difference is between surviving and thriving is in your life and and uh you know if anybody out there who's listening would love to get in touch with traver to learn more about uh his book and to learn more about uh his his offerings as a, as a, as a coach, as a, as a, as an uncivilized man to help you, <laughs> <Thank> you. To, <laughs> to help men, you know, live life uh, the, the way that we're supposed to be living, reach out. I've worked with Traver and, and he's just a tremendous yeah. coach. He's, he's tremendously <clears throat> caring. He, he, he understands that, uh, you know, what, what we go through in life isn't easy. But he's also there to help us not just get by, but to, to live it as, as much as we want to live it. And he'll take us there. So thank if you, you want to reach out to, to Traver, you can reach him at uh, TraverBohm.com. And I'll put this in the show notes. Uh, Traver, thank you so much for... Thank
1: you, man. I can't thank you enough. Uh,
0: this has been a tremendous conversation, and I know it's going to help a lot of people. And uh, uh, I can't wait to have you on again.
1: <laughs> I'll do it. Anytime,
0: brother. Anytime. All right, brother. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Up Eight podcast. I'm Eric Hodgdon, and I invite you to visit resilienceleaders.com, where you can find free resources to help you start thriving today. Also, check out upcoming events in my new book, A Sherpa Named Zoe, How to Walk Through Grief and Live with Intention.